Boost has your 6pm news. Hilton Tarrant up first. Six o'clock, this is the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Hilton Tarrant with you on this Wednesday evening. Tonight, a bid out of left field for JSE-listed Adcock Ingram. Chilean group CFR Pharmaceuticals says it will pay a 14% premium for the company, and it's looking at a secondary listing on our stock exchange. Adcock Independent Non-Executive Director Andrew Thompson takes us through the bid, and we get reaction from Anchor Capital's Sean Ashton. Analyst Ernest Kaplan on the reasons behind Telcom shares rallying more than 40% in less than two months. And David Shapiro of Sassman is with us to make sense of the markets on a day where the JSC ended down over 1%. That and more to come. First, here's your news. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Manla Mandela's lawyer questions exhumation of family remains and deadline approaches for Egypt's president. Good evening, I'm Greg Coase with the news at 6pm on SAFM. Mandela Mandela's lawyer says it's illegal for the Mandela family to exhume the remains of three of former President Nelson Mandela's children at Mvezo in the Eastern Cape. This comes after the gates to Mandela's homestead at Mvezo were forced open by court officials so that the exhumation could proceed. Earlier today, Mandela Mandela, who is chief at Mvezo, lost the challenge against a court order instructing him to return the remains. His lawyer then filed notice of an application to have the court order rescinded, Three hearses have arrived at Inveso to transport the remains back to Kunu. Patikile Holamisa from the Congress of Traditional Leaders explains where the remains will be reburied. The last decision is that they will be buried now inside the homestead yard of Majiba in Kunu, not at their original site. Mining bosses, unions and government have signed a framework agreement to comply with the Labor Relations Act aimed at ending illegal strikes and violence in the industry. However, miners' union AMCU refused to sign. Deputy President Glema Mutlante says he's confident that AMCU will eventually sign. AMCU requested that they have to go back to their members and that they are not going to canvas content of the document. Content of the document is agreed to. They want a mandate to sign. And so they will revert back to the Secretariat because we have a Secretariat consisting of DGs. The idea is for this forum to meet once quarterly. The head of anatomy at the University of Stellenbosch Medical School, Benedict Page, says all cadavers are treated with dignity and respect. This comes after the family of former Black Springbuck rugby player, Gibson Goeleo, recovered his body from the medical school. He played rugby for the Swallows Football and Rugby Club in Newtonhague and also represented the Leopards or Black Springboks playing in Italy in the 1970s. His body was donated to the medical school after he died at Tigerberg Hospital last year without being identified. Family members claim that some of his body parts may be missing. But Page says there are strict laws around how scientific research is conducted. No body parts are removed at random. The whole body is kept intact. If the body is returned to the next of kin by their request, then all the body parts are there guaranteed. Our procedures are audited annually by the Inspector of Anatomy, and he is satisfied that we maintain the highest standards of ethics in our practice. In Egypt, an army set deadline has expired for President Mohamed Morsi and the opposition to find a solution to the current political crisis. Cheers echoed around the main square in Cairo, Tens of thousands of demonstrators have gathered. The army has been holding intensive talks with political leaders, but Morsi's ruling Freedom and Justice Party stayed away. The BBC's Ben Brown reports. 
the General Council of the Egyptian Armed Forces have been meeting. We gather still are meeting to decide exactly what they're going to do next. Uh, one idea is that they have what they've already called a kind of roadmap, the transition of Egypt, uh, and that would include dissolving the parliament, suspending the constitution, and setting up a kind of interim governing council, and over a year or so that would pave the way for new parliamentary and presidential elections. Certainly the protesters here in Tahrir Square, they believe that Egypt is on the brink of a second revolution. Top story, Manla Mandela's lawyer says it's illegal for the Mandela family to exhume the remains of three of former President Nelson Mandela's children, Adam Vezo, in the Eastern Cape. And finally, a note from ESCOM. The power utilities advise cons- consumers and customers to insulate their ceilings. The utility says this has been proven to reduce the amount of energy needed to heat or cool rooms in homes which are not insulated. Approximately 40% of heat loss takes place through the roof. ESCOMs also warned that electricity usage for this evening is expected to be extremely high, especially between 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. as more households switch on lights, heaters and cookers. Households that use heaters, geysers and pool pumps can make the biggest difference by switching off these devices between 5 p.m. and 9 p.m. The next news bulletin is at 7. For SAFM, I'm Greg Hose. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Greg. Five minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant with you on the market update this Wednesday evening. A reminder of our SMS line, 34701 with the keyword market. That's 34701 with the keyword market. We'll get to one or two of your questions in a couple of minutes' time. An interesting one from Jabulo about uh, property stocks. We'll see what David Shapiro of Sassfin has to say about that. First up, as always, Google Letter has your business news, and this In Business Today is brought to you by Wesbank. If you need an instant answer to your business asset finance application, and apply online at westbank.co.za. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. The South African Chamber of Commerce and Industry says business confidence remained fragile and hit a new low last month. The Saki Business Confidence Index sank by 0.2 points between the month of May and June this year. A report on the South African construction industry spanning the past five years shows that profit margins in the industry declined from 5% in 2009 when it performed at its peak to 2.8% in 2011. The report by Statistics South Africa, which is a follow-up on results released at the end of 2012, shows that profit margins in the construction industry were the lowest among the nine industries contributing to the country's gross domestic product. Gross domestic product, excuse me. And closing off with miners at the Beers, the world's biggest mine, diamond mine producer, will strike as early as the 5th of July this week after talks to mediate wage negotiations stalled. Turning to the markets now, the JCO share index is closed off in negative territory, down by 1.2% at 39,843 points. Looking at the rand, it's trading at 10 rand 9 cents against the US dollar, 15 rand 38 against the pound, and 13.12 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,251 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $106, and the platinum price at $1,347 an ounce. Thanks, Gugu. And this in business today was brought to you by West Bank. If you need an instant answer to your business asset finance application, then apply online at wesbank.co.za. What would an instant answer to an asset finance application mean for your business? Could it be the difference between moving and shaking or just sitting and waiting? Apply for business asset finance at westbank.co.za and get an instant answer. 
T's and C's apply. West Bank. We know how. A division of First Rand Bank Limited, an authorized financial services and credit provider. Or speak to your affiliated dealer. MoneyWeb Market Watcher was proudly brought to you by the Graduate School of Business and Leadership at UKZN, shaping business leaders in Africa. Eight minutes after six o'clock, David Shapiro of Sassfin with us. David, market down across the board today, one and a quarter percent on the all share. Gold down four percent, financials down two percent, industrials lower, resource stocks almost two percent down as well. Egypt, um, a lot of worries about Egypt. Um, I'm not sure what the latest news is, but uh, I think the fears that they might, that the military might have to step in. Um, they have given an ultimatum. It's the big concerns there are oil supplies that go through the um, through the canal through the Suez Canal, mm. especially in that region. So oil price was up today. Um, also, you know, markets don't like uncertainty. And then we had Portugal, where the coalition government there looks like uh, collapsing. The finance minister resigned. The, the foreign minister, who's part of the coalition, a junior coalition party there, um, resigned as well. So. Portuguese rates went up, and I think they pulled other rates, um, associated rates, up as well. So a little bit of a mini euro crisis, and the markets came back. The the odd thing is that we had good data out of the U.S. and U.S. markets, which are only trading on a half a day today. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is Independence Day. Uh, actually looked firmer and continued to to rise on the back of their data. So I'm hoping that it has some kind of uh, easing effect or comforting effect on us tomorrow. But we, we were hurt, um, you know, even with the RAND uh, um, falling as, as fast as it did, it, it gave a couple of our shares, some of the big heavyweights, a little bit of support. But other than that, it was just a sell-off right across the board. RAND down by 1% today, over 1% to 10.09 against the dollar at the moment. As you say, some support for some of the, the bigger RAND hedges, Richmond to British American Tobacco, Nas Paris as well, SAB Miller. But uh, the big moves, Anglo-American down 4% today, 185 Rand a share. Billiton <laughs> holding up better, it's only down <laughs> half a percent. I, the worst thing about Anglos, and I'm a culprit, I'm a, you know, I, I, I've really done this. At 2.30, we thought this is such great value, you know, you can't go lower. And we're now at 185, you know, that, that's 35 Rand off where we thought was, was uh, um, you know, very cheap level. So it just shows you how far this has fallen, how far back it's fallen, together with, uh, you know, gold and uh, platinum miners as well. So, phew, 185, I don't, I don't know. This takes us back to the, the worst days of 2008 or nine or thereabouts. I can't remember where we were there, you know, whether we were lower. One th- I have a suspicion about 130, but mm. circumstances were completely different. Just looking at, at some of the major decliners on the market, we saw a lot of shares down around about 4%, mm. 5%, 6%. African Bank down 6%. Yeah. Tigers down mm. 6%. Uh, we've seen Goldfield down 5%. Absa down over 5%. Anglo Gold down 5%. Uh, First Round down 375 It's also coinciding with very weak data out of China as well, So uh, you know, which, um, which started off this morning. And, and that's taken the market back. So we're getting that, you know, you're certainly getting a flow out of emerging market funds. Wherever you look, if you try to keep tabs with, uh, with flows in and out, mm. you know, money flowing out of emerging markets. And when we use emerging markets, we're talking about the broader emerging markets, not South Africa. It applies to, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of weakness in, 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 in the whole um, area. 
So it's it has to rub off some here. Uh, I don't think we've got enough sufficient money here for local institutions to pick it up. But what does worry me is that it does seem to affect the whole market because mm. you would think that that funds of that nature or that size would be confined to some big stocks right at the you know right at the top. But if you look around the almost the all share index, which is about 150 odd shares, everything's down. Mm. You know, virtually, well, give or take, a, you know, a few shares here and there, but. But even those that picked up were very small, you know, very small gains. 52-week highs, as you say, uh, small gains. Murray mm. and Roberts picking up mm. a couple of cents uh, mm. to go through 26 rand. Group 5 up a quarter of 1%. Redefine International's up nicely, 1.5%. Mm. Aspen continues its run, 230 rand a share, up over 2% today. That obviously on the back of that deal, and it seems like investors can't get enough of Aspen. No, they keep, it, it, it's astonishing, you know, because uh, if you start to look at, don't look at the valuations, because... Um, it's going to put you off. Well, we need to look at the valuations, <laughs> no. David. We're, we're talking to Adcock uh, later in oh, the oh, yeah, yeah. Uh We'll that's be hearing from Sean Ashton mm. of mm. Anchor Capital. And, and what is interesting is if you look at some of the valuations in the market where mm. CFR, which is now the mm. suitor for Adcock, is trading, where Aspen's trading, where Adcock is trading, mm. uh, and where some of the global peers like GlaxoSmithKline are trading. I think, Hilton, you know, you can't, in this respect, what... Valuation do you put on Stephen Sard? Hmm. You know what? Do you, what valuation do you put on management teams? And uh, you can't look at companies in pure numbers. And and I think that's sometimes where we go wrong is that there's so many assets in a company which you can't value on the on the balance sheet. And uh, you know that's one thing about this deal. I'm sure we're going to talk about it there. We don't know anything about CFR. We don't know anything about Mr. Weinstein. You know. And is he a Stephen Sard or, you know, who is he? And I think that's why I find it difficult to actually, you know, make comparisons. Well, the other news in the in the economy today, the accord between stakeholders and the mining industry was signed today. In fact, the uh, full title is the Framework Agreement for a Sustainable Mining Industry. Those talks obviously are being led by Deputy President Kalema Maklante. AMCU, not a signatory. The union says it wants to get a mandate from its members. Trade Union Solidarity laying the blame for problems in the sector squarely at AMCU's door, uh, given that AMCU walked mm-hmm. out of, of, mm-hmm. the, of the signing. Well, the fact that they walked out just shows that they're leaving it open for, for problems. You know, they're not part of the court. And even my, my, my biggest worry is that we, they sign accords like that. Does it necessarily go down to members? You know, or can be members, just be rogue members and carry on strikes, you know, as, as we've seen uh, or as we saw last year on the, you know, on the mines? You know, will they respect uh, a deal that's uh, a paper deal? Finally, Old Mutual buying a controlling stake in something called Faulu, a deposit-taking microfinance institution in Kenya. Basically, from what I can tell, the Capitec of Kenya, it's a, it's okay. a, it's a micro-lending institution, takes deposits, the second largest in that market, 400,000 customers. I guess what Old Mutual is doing here is buying distribution. I can't think of anything else. You know, why would they, uh, you know, why would they buy something like that? It's just so out of the uh, of their normal course of business, particularly here, they normally sell financial products, you know, to to actually accept deposits and uh, micro. Who knows? I don't know. I uh, listen. It's I, I I think you're going to find more and more deals as as businesses here try establish um, you know foothold in in Africa. MoneyWeb Market Watcher was proudly brought to you by the Graduate School of Business and Leadership at UKZN. Shaping Business Leaders in Africa.
The Graduate School of Business and Leadership at the University of KwaZulu-Natal offers a variety of programs to help you make your mark in the world of business. The interdisciplinary nature of our world-class programs enables our candidates to effectively deal with the complex challenges of an ever-changing landscape. If you're ready to make a difference, consider the university that is changing the world every day. The Graduate School of Business and Leadership at UKZN, shaping business leaders in Africa. Are you a pensioner or investor looking for a high-yield investment that will give you an above-average guaranteed return? Then Finbond Mutual Bank's limited offer is perfect for you. Invest a minimum amount of 100,000 Rand on a fixed-term deposit and earn 9.5% per annum guaranteed. Contact us today on 0860-442211. Terms and conditions apply. Finbond is an authorized financial services and credit provider. Finbond Mutual Bank. It's my bank. Quarter past six, and today's top story is brought to you by MTN Business. Pharmaceutical company Adcock Ingram, well-known for its Panado and Comprel, as well as Carenza brands, said this morning that it's received a non-binding bid from Chilean group CFR Pharmaceuticals that values the company at 12.9 billion rand. The suitor, arguably from left field, follows Adcock's announcement on May the 9th that it had received more than one non-binding proposal for the company. Rumors have swirled in the market for the past two months, and French group Sanofi, the fourth largest largest drug maker in the world, as well as London-based private equity firm Actus were both said to be interested in Adcock Ingram. These undisclosed non-binding proposals for Adcock followed Bidvest's conditional offer for 60% of the business, valued at 6.2 billion rand way back in March. Andrew Thompson, independent non-executive director at Adcock Ingram, joins us now. Andrew, the board has obviously considered all of these proposals. You've elected to enter negotiations with CFR. Why CFR? What makes this offer so compelling? Good evening, Hilton. Uh, thank you. Um, firstly, uh, we have been through a, a very thorough process uh, to, to arrive at where we are today. So we are happy that there's been good rigor and attention to detail in this. And as we said, and uh, as you have mentioned, we, we had proposals back in May, which we uh, updated shareholders on. And in evaluating these, um, particularly with reference to, to CFR, the attractive thing was what we've called the compelling strategic rationale. Uh, they have a very interesting footprint in Latin America. They're market leaders in Chile, Peru, and Colombia, and have presences in many other Latin American countries. They also have a presence in Canada, in the UK, and in Vietnam, in Southeast Asia. That, together with our ADCOP footprint in Southern Africa, East Africa, West Africa, and India uh, offers very good coverage in the emerging world. So there's a geographic argument. And then from a product point of view, over and above that, uh, there is a very good uh, complementary range of products. Uh, if, we, if we add our two product lines together, we are strong in over-the-counter. We have our special ARV uh, therapies uh, developed for South Africa but applicable elsewhere. And they have uh, a range of interesting therapeutic categories in things like oncology and feminine care developed in South America and tremendous opportunities for cross-selling in our various markets. So uh, that was important. Of course, then, then there are conditionalities uh, which we will need to work through. Mm. And then there is a value proposition uh, at 73 rand 50, which we found interesting. Uh, 
The proposal, as you will have noted, is for cash and shares. Um, there might be those who prefer an all-cash offer, but we believe that there may be uh, a lot of interest in retaining exposure to the combined entity that will benefit from these things that I've described. Andrew, in this morning's announcements, you do sell uh, the benefits to South Africa pretty hard. Uh, you have a number of manufacturing facilities here in the country. What happens to those if, if this offer were to proceed? The view that we have from CFR is that manufacturing in South Africa will increase. They, in fact, have a need for additional capacity, and uh, they see our factories, which have enjoyed recent investment, as an opportunity for additional throughput and, in fact, probably additional investment uh, potentially to expand them further, and with that comes jobs as well. So uh, it's certainly not an issue of a threat to our existing manufacturing capacity, but much more an opportunity. Where does this leave other expressions of interest, Andrew? Well, we're effectively parking those. We, we feel that uh, where we've got to with CFR justifies some dedicated, uh, exclusive talks with them with the intention of developing a firm intention and a scheme that we can put to shareholders to give them their democratic choice that they're entitled to. Just at this point, Andrew, and to close off with, uh, can you disclose how many other proposals you've received, just in number terms? Regrettably not. We, we, we had them in the plural, as we've said, but uh, typically we, uh, we have provided confidentiality undertakings, which mean we're not able to disclose uh, the names of those, and we would not want to invite speculation by giving numbers either. Andrew Thompson is Independent Non-Executive Director at Adcock Ingram. Let's bring in Sean Ashton now of Anchor Capital. Sean, this deal puts a price tag on Adcock of 73.51, a cash and share split, as Andrew said there. The price reaction on the day, very, very interesting. We saw Adcock run very, very hard at the, at the open after this announcement, ending uh, the day barely positive, uh, 13, 14, 15% below the offer price. What do you make of, of the price reaction? Yes, evening, uh, uh, Hilton. I think the, yeah, I mean, the price reaction certainly speaks uh, volumes in terms of the market's response to this uh, initial deal announcement. As you've mentioned, I mean, the, the share price is, uh, or the offer price is about 14% above yesterday's close, and I think we closed up 1.3% today. Um, and I think it's, it really speaks to the fact that it's still early days in assessing the impact of the deal, given that we don't know all the terms. And I think the, really the two key unknowns at this point in time is, and probably the most important one is the portion of cash versus shares which will be, will be issued to, to ad hoc shareholders. Mm. I think uh, shareholders certainly wouldn't have wanted to have seen a bit more clarity around how much cash they would be receiving. I suspect, certainly given the market's response and, and the balance sheet of, uh, of CFR, I would suspect that the cash portion would be very low. Uh, and then secondly, the, the price at which uh, the, the CFR shares will be issued to ad hoc shareholders. Sean, just looking at, at the argument put forward by, by Andrew and, and by the company earlier today, it does seem like a compelling combination. Your take on, on these two businesses and how they overlap? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't have, unfortunately, I didn't hear Andrew's responses mm. earlier, but just from the, the company's announcement earlier, um, yeah, I did see the CF, CFR CEO on CNBC earlier talking about the potential deal. And obviously, you know, the, the fact that they have, quite a large or very low overlap, I should say, in terms of their product exposure in the sense that ADCOC is very strong in OTC 
um, CFR is very strong and, and in other drug forms is, uh, is quite compelling, I guess. But I think with many of these deals, you know, it can take time to actually see the full benefits of, of integration taking place. It's, I would imagine it's not something which is going to take place uh, in a hurry. You'll probably likely see benefits. If the deal goes ahead, you'll see benefits only flowing after a couple of years. Just going back to, to the price at which uh, those shares are issued, Sean, and, and, and the multiple at which those shares are issued, CFR currently trading on a multiple of 24 times earnings, yeah. ADCOC 15, 16 times earnings. Uh, obviously, uh, the paper seeming to, to fall in CFR's favor and, and in some ways, I guess, disadvantaging uh, the ADCOC shareholder. I think this is kind of the nub of the whole deal, really, because if you look at the, the current CFR market cap uh, at today's share price is about 19 billion rands or so, if you want to convert it back into, into rands uh, per share mm. or rands. Um, and the ADCOC market cap at the offer price would be about quarter 12 or 13 billion rands. Um, so in essence, if these two companies combined, you're talking about the enlarged entity, ADCOC contributing about 40% of the value of the enlarged entity. Now, effectively, if you're going to seek a relisting um, or, or, or listing of CFR, a secondary listing on the JSC's uh, Jamsburg Stock Exchange, you're basically saying, well, we're going to bid up the price of, uh, it's all very well that the, that the offer price uh, for ADCOC looks very attractive relative to the current share price, but in essence, you're then getting a highly rated entity of which the original ADCOC business is 40% of that enlarged entity anyway. Mm. So I, I'm not sure that it's enormously compelling from that point of view. Obviously, uh, CFR for South African investors is a fairly unknown entity at this point in time. Um, it, it's got highly rated papers. No. I think the Bloomberg consensus estimates place uh, CFR to 20 times PM multiple. So the blended business, if the deal were to go ahead on these terms, is probably, I would guess, around 19 times, which if you look at it compared to something like uh, an Aspen, for example, which is three times the size of this business, and arguably has a has a longer a better longer term track record certainly from from Adcock's perspective. Um, you know that's we would argue that that Aspen uh, I think is probably similarly priced if you into account uh, the impact of their recent corporate activity um, that they've announced. So I'm just not sure that it looks enormously compelling from from that perspective. Well, thanks to Sean Ashton of Anchor Capital. David, your thoughts? You know, if if we look and and where I agree with Sean is that. Most people want uh, a bigger component of cash, mm. and I'm not sure they can afford it. You know, if you look at the size of the balance sheet, you're going to absorb a 12 billion company here, and you've got a market cap of what, 1.9? Where are you going to find the cash, or how much cash? You know, is it going to be a 10% cash offer? Also, this company has been quite acquisitive as well, so I haven't been able to look at the debt levels and you know whether they have the capacity to actually. Um, borrow money against that. So I, I'm, I think that's why the market's been very skeptical. And then you've heard the other argument on the valuations, mm. on the blend I mean, of the businesses, and at what multiple will it, you know, are you prepared to buy into a 24 PE company of which we know very little? The other bid which we do know about, uh, obviously Bidvest's a conditional mm. offer. Would you rather want Bidvest shares and well, Brian Joffe in charge, or would you want this unknown entity? Simply then? because we know Brian. Mm. You know, we we know what he's done. We know what he's done overseas. We know his overseas. Um, you know, sorry, we know his current management team and what they've brought to companies that they've acquired. So I think there's that known, um, you know, which we don't know about this business here. 
Um, so I'm not, you know, one doesn't want to be critical of, of CFR, but uh, um, you know, understand why the market didn't respond with as much enthusiasm as they would have thought. Today's top story is brought to you by MTN Business. With MTN Business ERP, your business reports directly to you, meaning you get a complete overview of your business's operations at any given time. And because it's hosted in the cloud, it's a lot more affordable to get a full resource planning system powered by SAP. Visit mtnbusiness.co.za for more info. Welcome to the new world of business. 28 minutes after 6 o'clock, while well, the telecom share price has rallied well over 40% from its lows in May. Shares reached an all-time low of 11 around 93, and even with today's 1% drop, they're up 42% from that base. But the share remains roughly flat over the past year and less than half of its value when it unbundled Vodacom in 2009. Ernest Kaplan of Kaplan Equity Analyst joins us now. Ernest, your thoughts as to what's behind this recent rally? Thanks, Hilton. Um, I think... Um very difficult to ascribe it to, to any one particular thing, but I'd say probably, you know, the, the newly constituted board is a, is, a, is a positive thing. I'd say the results have, have pretty strong cash flows, which obviously, um, you know, the, the value investors quite like that. Mm. And then I'd say the, um, the write-down of the, of the network, the 12 billion write-down, I think does sort of suggest Objectivity, maybe a bit of maturity, and uh, looks good for the ratios going forward. We also haven't heard too much uh, from government as, as far as telecom is concerned in, in recent months. That's quite right. Um, you know, we last I kind of have been saying is we still want to hear what the what government's uh, broad strategy is mm. regarding telecom. Remember when the KT deal was was uh, stopped, the kind of talk that I heard at the time was we, we're going to hear what, what the strategy is and, and, and we haven't really heard anything. We've got a new board, new chairman, uh, now a new CEO. So I'm hoping that Telcom can move forward on, on more commercial grounds. Our thanks to Ernest Kaplan, MD of Kaplan Equity Analyst. David, uh, quick breaking news uh, here in my inbox. Moody's Investor Service has uh, changed its outlook on African banks' ratings to negative from stable. It says the change in outlook is driven by Moody's view that the bank's asset quality may deteriorate more severely than initially anticipated, partly because of the more pronounced deterioration in African banks' Ellerine's originated portfolio and the weakening in the bank's earnings generating capacity amid lower loan-related income and increasing loan loss provisioning requirements. Well, there you go. Well, it, it's, it's pointing out with the markets, you know, with the markets reflecting in the price that you're going to go for another one or two tough years uh, before you see the turnaround. You know. I still think it's probably too early to buy this year. Well, thanks to David Shapiro of SAS. And it was a day where the JSE ended down one and a quarter of a percent. This has been the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. We're back at 6 o'clock tomorrow, 6.30 now, and time for Game Plan. Game Plan. 
Thank you very much and welcome to Game Plan on SAFM. I'm Natalie Jumanis filling in for Quena Morbella. Tonight we chat to Benedict Marco, who's the SAB Limited Manager, Media Relations Manager and we're going to discuss the Carling Black Label Cup which takes place on the 27th of July. Then we catch up with uh, Balibete Manakhotla who's the Head of Competitions at SAFA and we discuss the Women's Sassel Football League and the team which has been sent to the World Student Games in Russia. We also talk to Kurbis Jansen who is the Sassel Group Services Manager of Public Affairs and we are going to chat to him about the 42nd Cecil National Winter Swimming Championships. But first, we're going to unpack all the Wimbledon action with uh, Chris Bowers. Chris, thank you very, very much for joining us on SFM. I'm delighted to be with you. By the way, there's a link between Carling, as in the Carling Black Label, mm. and tennis. Do you know what it is? Uh, no, but I know you're going to tell me. <laughs> The, the, the daughter of the owner of Carling named his daughter Carling, uh, Carling Bassett. She was a player in the 80s, married a doubles player called Robert Scuso. Ah, thank you very much. That's, uh, we should have a trivia question on, on a game plan. <laughs> okay, yesterday... Let's trivial. Let me start, not with the singles, but with doubles, because there's great news for South Africa. Um, Chanel Scapers, who's teamed up with a, a Japanese player who I confess I didn't know, Shuko Aoyama, uh, they've got through to the semi-finals of the women's doubles. They've just had a very, very good three-sets win over Yulia Gerges and Barbara Salava-Vastritseva. So they're into the women's doubles semi-finals, which is a remarkable achievement for what I believe is a scratch pairing. I don't think they've played together before. No, I don't think they have, actually. So it's a great result for Sean, Chanel Skippers. Hopefully we'll be able to hear more of her. But another Cinderella story has to be Kirsten Flipkins, yesterday making it through over Petra Kvitova. Yes, I mean, I watched Flipkins win the girls' singles title here 